1: Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I want to talk to you about Rotoballer.com. If you guys know me by now, you've listened long enough, you know I've got my written content for DFS and other season-long fantasy products over at Rotoballer.com. And if you're still grinding along in the NFL streets, season-long playoffs, DFS for the NFL – don't wait any longer. Go to rotoballer.com, get the NFL Premium Pass. Are you ready to dominate your season long in DFS leagues? Rotoballer's NFL Premium Pass includes lineup tools, projections, and DFS cheat sheets for all formats. Get access to exclusive articles, DFS tools, lineup optimizers, and premium Slack chat rooms. I do the weekly DFS cash game values, even the, and then this Saturday even, doing some uh, extra previews for the, the week's DFS slates. Come check all that out and join in on the winning and take – off any premium pass not just football if you want basketball baseball's coming up all that good stuff, 50% off any premium pass. Use my my promo code, Bubba, B-U-B-B-A, for another 10% off. you get 60% off a premium pass. It's that simple. So get in, get ready, finish the NFL season in a strong, strong way with rotoballer.com, NFL premium pass. Already at 50% off now. Use promo code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A, for another 10% off when you purchase. Just visit rotoballer.com backslash radio. Sign up today and start rotoballing like a boss. everybody to another episode of the about flip episode 110 continuing our positional previews for the 2022 fantasy baseball season heading over to first base a fun position as always it was fun reviewing it It'll be fun previewing it it will not be as long as the catcher's episode no, it probably will be but it's not because you know <laughs> the love for catchers isn't quite there but uh we will we'll get you covered normal normal rundown like top 10 adp some longer shots some adp some Awesome uh, listener questions and much, much more. You can find me on Twitter at BDN in and my co-host as always on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. Toby, how we doing, man?
2: We're doing all right, Bubba. We're just plugging along. Um, I'd say I, I wish I could promise that it's going to be shorter than the catcher preview, oh, but won't. there's one thing that they both have in common, which is my blabbering mouth. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll try to keep it. We'll try to keep it a little low. We'll actually consolidate. We'll actually do all 10 of the start, the first basemen who are identical and we'll just do those as a lump. And then we'll, we'll tackle the guys who actually have maybe like a little bit of character, a little bit of differentiation between, between the pack. So.
1: Yeah. Your, your, your tweet about that was so funny. Cause there is like just a wheelhouse of so many, like such similar profiles. It's just, it's funny at the position. So it makes drafting interesting. Like we've talked about before. So we'll, uh, we'll definitely get to some of those as well. But, um, yeah, you uh, you knocked out two catcher podcasts last week. We have first base this week. I th- I don't remember what position we have coming up Sunday night as our guest on the tool shed podcast. But uh, oh, we're
2: third base. Third, third base. base. I guess we mixed yeah. it up because
1: they wanted us for catchers too. But we said, I think I think enough's enough. <laughs> so,
2: Man, this is yeah. going to be a busy fantasy baseball weekend. It's like yeah. on uh, on Friday night. There's the pitcher con poker. Yep, and then on. Friday morning, I have my, I'm on, I have my panel with, um, now we can talk about it, Chris Welsh yep. <laughs> and, uh, Nando DeFino. Sorry, Nick, um, for ruining that surprise last time. And then, uh, Bubba, when's yours at, when yours happening? I'm
1: doing mine. You're probably listening to the show on Wednesday at six Eastern three Pacific with myself, Joe P. and Matt Williams. So we'll be dropping that one oh, as cool. well. So I'll get that Wednesday. You got yours Friday. we've got another show Sunday night, uh, and I always have way more other shows to do, so it's going to be a fun, fun-filled week.
2: Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be awesome. So should be a lot of fun. All
1: right, but uh, yeah, keep on the lookout for that again. Go to PitchCon on the PitcherList.com. They have a link to it this year where you can donate and all that good stuff. Plus, all the links to the videos, and it's it's more consolidated this year because I know in years past it was like uh, there's a StreamYard link for like the first half of the day and the second half of the day, and so it seems like there's only like one link a day so it'll make it a lot easier just to watch you don't have to, like move around and see things so that'll be a ton of fun as well yeah and i probably won't be there because i never uh, make it to the pitcher list or pitch con poker night on friday night for the presenters but toby goes and toby usually wins so we'll see how that goes
2: i win 50 percent of the time yes i can't remember yeah, yeah I pretty, think that's a pretty that good maybe, ratio. Maybe the only victory I ever get. Yeah, but the good news is, like, for the next 10 years, I can just be like, I uh-huh. win like 25% or I win 20%. You, you can that say sounds you won. pretty good.
1: That's all that matters. So I am a winner. You a winner. are a winner. You're a winner in my Thank books. You. So that's all that matters. Um, so let's go. Let's go to first base here. Lots and lots of fun. Real quick, though, let's talk strategy uh, at the first base position. Obviously, catcher has a different type of strategy because you have to, do you want to go early? Do you want to wait to catchers, so on and so forth? First base, like we talked about uh, in the review and we'll talk about it again, it's, you know, some top heavy studs. Then it's kind of different groupings that kind of drop in drafts. Like you have like two or three guys together, then a drop two or three guys together, so on and so forth. How are you attacking first base?
2: Yeah, we have some questions, some really good listener questions too on, on this kind of strategy piece. Um, I think, you know, the general, I mean, first base is kind of, just a, a a perceived value. I should always call it because we don't know whether it'll end up being a value, but you know, it just seems like there's a lot of guys who um, are pretty good where they're going ADP wise. And I think the major strategic question you have is, you know, do you, do you pay up, you know, like Vlad jr. Is kind of in like a category I'd say, yeah, Vlad jr. Is kind of in a category on his own. I mean, Freddie Freeman belongs in there as well, just because of the Kind of history and, and batting average and everything that he contributes. It's actually like a fairly interesting comparison with 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 Vlad. Obviously Vlad has has some more power. Um but then there's just that like chunk of first baseman, Pete Alonso, Paul Goldschmidt, Matt Olson, Olsen, um even Jose Abreu I would count in that that are kind of like have a little bit more of a track record you know, maybe you're expecting a little bit more production, but you also obviously have to pay up for it. And while they don't seem like they're they're bad picks per se, where they're going, um, certainly there's a lot of depth to the position, which we covered in the review. And then there's like that chunk of first basemen starting with Josh Bell, Jared Walsh, Joey Votto, Reese Hoskins, CJ Cron, you know, uh, Anthony Rizzo to a lesser extent for me, but like Trey Mancini you know, there's just a a bunch of, um, guys are kind of all in there together who are going to give you, depending on which guy you go, like either, you know, kind of somewhat subpar batting average to somewhat above par batting average with like 25 to 35 home runs. And like, literally they're just like puzzle pieces. Like, Oh, you want the guy who has a higher average like Josh Bell? Well, you know, he's probably going to hit you like five home runs fewer than Reese Hoskins, but Reese Hoskins is going to hit 240, you know? And so just really like um, a, a group of guys that are there that are just, you know, I don't mind pretty much all of them where they're going in the drafts right now. And then later on, there's a lot of, there's a lot of potential guys who can, who could jump up into that, into that range, or maybe even into the more elite guys, depending on what the ceiling is like, you know, Dahlbeck and low and belt and my favorite Yuli Gurriel. Um, So there's, there's, it's a really, it's an interesting position. It's super deep. And it's one that you really should think about before you draft about how you want to handle it. Because I think, you know, um, I think that can dictate like a lot of, I don't know how the, how the draft generally plays out, um, you know, especially in that kind of like middle 100s round where all those other first basemen are going. So just doing that value proposition of, do I want, you know, a gold Schmidt and a, you know, whoever the outfielder is there, or do I want the outfielder who's going at, you know, pick 55 um, and, and the first baseman who's going there and just kind of doing those types of, you know, Internal conversations about which which approach you want to take, and I don't think there's a right or wrong approach necessarily. I've definitely been much more inclined. I haven't taken any of the top first basemen yet, um, so I'm more inclined towards that kind of middle of the pack, you know, group. Um, but I think either way you tackle it, you just got to be thinking about what how that sets you up, you know, as you build your roster out, and um, you know, the usual usual discussions you have to have with yourself you know or or maybe you like just sit in your bed at night and you think about these types of things
1: you just draw all the different scenario charts if i pick a mm-hmm. i gotta go to c if i pick c i gotta go to d and the, the whole the graphs just totally. forming like jenny butler wrote about actually the ftn um, draft guy like the different flow charts it's, it's really genius uh strategy i know ryan bloomfield's talked about it a lot too is kind of planning out your draft picks kind of you know if you pick this player than this and you know every position technically as a team building situation but like you said first baseman is a big one like because outside of a couple guys you're not gonna get a ton of steals usually like you'll get a few but not a ton so you leave those for the outfield in the middle infield more often than not so you're looking at these guys like you said especially if you wait do I want the power guy do I want the batting average guy do I want there's there's little there's different pockets for what you're looking for and there's more than one of them which is nice you don't have to kind of like force your hand type situation so like if you want to go third baseman early because you don't like the later third baseman, base can go later first baseman or you can get a decent first baseman early and get a, another first baseman or corner infielder so you don't have to mess with third base um, there's a lot of good options there i'm with toby like i think i have like one freddy share maybe i don't know if i even have a freddy share um i have a Vlad you, share now yeah because a Vlad share. you, have because a Vlad you share. wonderful people in the battle of the podcast leads let them drop to number 12 overall you genius is you. you 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 overachievers you um toby's drafting right after he's at 13 i'm at 12 and he texts me and goes man that's crazy like basically crazy that vlad fell to 12 i said yeah i spent 10 minutes searching news because i wanted to make sure i did not miss it because the day before i saw him sprinting and you know getting ready for the season i'm like yeah best shot my... of his life again yeah like, like rob silver's tweeting things out all excited which means a lot you know coming from canada when it's that cold to tweet like that so that that was good I was shocked. I didn't know what happened, so I couldn't pass it. I, I was—I almost took Bryce Harper thinking this was some, there was something weird going on, but I, I took Vlad. I'm like, we're taking Vlad. We're building around Vlad. But the thing is, when you do that, now you already – like the whole point of taking hitters early is to get the, the five categories, to get the steals and all that kind of stuff. Well, obviously with Vlad, you maybe get five. If you're like – in a good year, you're going to get five or six. But I'm not counting like any really from Vlad. That's not my goal with Vlad. I want 40-plus home runs, hit for average, do those things. So you can start building differently, which you'll see when you when you, you see my team, I tweet out there. It's a, definitely a different build for me. But saying that, that's why I usually don't take a first baseman early. I'd rather go get something like an ace pitcher or a harper or a Luis Robert or something like that to kind of to to build around and I go get a later first baseman. So it's an interesting philosophy when you're building your team. And I 100 percent agree with Toby. It's one of those deals like sit down and kind of go, how do I want to build my roster? What do I feel comfortable building with? Do I want to Get my stolen bases early because it's more comfortable that way. And then go get another first baseman later. Or do I wanna say screw it? I'm gonna get one of these elite guys we talked about with Goldie and Freddie and these guys that are pretty much almost right down their stat line. You're gonna get it. Then I'll build around that later type deal. All those kind of ideas. And we'll talk about that when we talk about players and more listener questions coming up because it's a it's a fun position. It's a deep position, but not like a super like fantasy statistical deep position. If that makes sense at all, it's like very top heavy with the studs and then kind of like three category guys, two category guys, like kind of pick your poison guys as we go through the, the rankings here. All right. With that being said, top 10 ADP for the NFPC the past 30 days, so that'd be from December 25th. Merry Christmas, everybody to January 25th. We'll kick it off with Vladito himself. Not a whole lot that needs to be said here, but um, he's the man he's going at pick six overall. A max of 10, that will change. Now it's 12. Um, if I don't know if I actually qualify for this, though. But uh, max should be 12 now. Thank you, everybody, again. But what do you have on Vlad, uh, Toby, that you haven't said a million times on this show because everyone wants to give you a hard time about it?
2: Yeah, you know, I'm not sure why anybody would doubt Vlad Jr. Um, you know, throughout his career, he's really dealt with a lot of haters. And I'm not quite sure. I'm, I'm, I don't know where those people come from. And people come out of the woodwork to troll people like... You wouldn't believe, um, you know, in terms of Vlad for this year, um, you know, he's, he's, he's great, you know, and I think it's one of those first round picks where you just, you got a debate, you're pretty, you feel, feel pretty confident about, you know, the underlying skills, obviously, I mean, he's still ridiculously young, right? The dude is, not even 23 yet. No, guys, I mean, who would, it's silly. who would, I mean, who would <laughs> doubt like a 21 year old with that pedigree, right? Coming into <laughs> last season, who would do that? Um, but you know, the batting average looks great. The home runs, everything looks great. I mean, the stolen bases, the four was great. You know, that's the major question, right. In the first round always is if you're going to take a hitter that that that's that good. Um, you know, but you're not going to address speed, you know, so that's the question that everybody's thinking about as they take, take him, but he feels like such a sure thing at this point, I think generally speaking, like when I look at the profile, um, Everything looks really good. You know, the contact rate was lower than it has been, you know, in the past, but the plate discipline improved as well. And the end zone contact rate was right in line with his career average. So he's making, he's, he's swinging at better pitches and, um, you know, he's making good contact with them. Obviously the, the quality of contact metrics were through the roof last year, which was one of the doubts that some people had heading into last year we did see some massive drop in his ground ball rate, 10% drop in his ground ball rate. It'll be really interesting to see like over this year where that ground ball rate settles, because, you know, oftentimes when you see those pretty significant drops in ground ball rate, oftentimes you see a little bit of regression back to um, the mean after that. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's in like the 46 to 48 range, you know, after this year where there's been a very clear change in his batted ball profile, being less ground ball heavy, um, but um, you know maybe not as much as we saw the, uh, uh, this past year. You know he hit 75 barrels to get to those 48 home runs. You know which is fantastic. 15.1 percent barrel rate. You know the max EV is not something we've ever questioned. I think the biggest improvement that we saw last year was the 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 exit velocity on line drives and fly balls. He was really able for the first time to consistently hit the ball in the air, you know, with authority, which, you know, is, is a huge reason why he's, you know, why he did exactly what he did. The home run per fly ball rate is at 26.5%. But again, he's elite when it comes to quality of contact. So when he does hit the ball in the air, um, when he does hit it hard, it's going to go far. So this is just a really long winded way of saying the projections love him. You know, they have him as a top 10 guy you know no problem batting average is lovely home runs are probably going to be lovely their runs in RBI are going to be lovely in that lineup so it's just a question of you know the speed and whether you feel comfortable grabbing him here and then grabbing some speed later you know and and it's not always that easy right because you also have to think especially this year okay well at some point in the next couple rounds I probably want to grab a starting pitcher and then in the next couple rounds to a few rounds I probably want to go after you know, a top-end closer potentially. And so you really have very few selections early on in drafts, depending on how you build your team, obviously, where, you know, you 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 have to figure out what type of a base of hitting it's going to get you. So that was long on the number one player. I'll try to keep it short, but that's my, that's what I'm getting at.
1: Yeah, no, he's awesome. He's very, very awesome. Like you said, it goes back to kind of, how do you want to, to build your team? And I feel like I've attacked stolen bases in that league well, but uh, starting pitching has a lot to be desired still. So it's kind of like you have to you have to sacrifice something, and we've talked about it on this show and other shows that the starting pitching pool feels deeper than usual. might not be with the elite players, of course, but deeper. So you might be able to go that route if you want, if you feel comfortable with it, but uh, it does make make it def, uh, definitely interesting. But what Vlad does uh, outside of hitting 40-plus on runs, potentially in 100 and 100-plus 100 in runs and RBIs, which is great, it's that batting average, like over 300. Um, the projections, like you said, love him. He's one of, I think, just like five or six guys maybe projected over 300. Not many guys over 300. And um, there, there's a lot to be said about that in this world where like 250 is not horrible anymore. So you get a guy out there hitting 300, that can be tremendous as well. So he's awesome. Like you said, he's 23. He's probably, probably still haven't even seen the best of him yet, which is potentially just insane to think about when you look at it. And you mentioned like the contact skills. It's really weird. Um, looking at his stuff here because, yeah, his contact is down and everything compared to, like, league averages, but it's it's, it, it's just a testament to how good he is is he doesn't chase that much, and when it's in the zone, he swings aggressively, like, often. His, like, zone swing is way above average. His O-swings, like, slightly below average. So he's a patient guy, unlike his father, who just swung at everything, which you'd kind of expect, you know, to run in the family type deal. That's how, that's how he learned. But uh, it's impressive to see the discipline he shows you in the zone for a 23-year-old. Like we talk about Juan Soto's discipline. Vlad is, uh, is another one of those guys. It's pretty pretty crazy to think about those two guys uh, getting the job done like that. So kudos to them as they uh, continue on their, their mission of domination here. All right. The second first baseman off the board at pick 23 overall the past month is Freddie Freeman. As you mentioned, uh, he's a good ball player. He's just... Uh, Another guy that he'll get a, a few more steals than Vlad, but the power won't be quite as, as much as Vlad. We don't know where he's playing, which is another thing as well. But it's one of those guys you can almost just pencil in you know, 25 to 30 homers, uh, close to 100 runs, close to 100 RBIs, maybe like 90 to 100 in both of those. Pretty solid batting average. It's one of those if you want to take the chance and build around it, it's not the worst thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's great. Uh, last year was, was a lot of the same for him. You know, the RBI were down slightly. Uh, I will say the Babbip was also down slightly. Like his career average is 339. Um, He was at 321, which was on the lower side for him. Yet he still hit, you know, 300. The interesting thing, like, I don't know if it's a concern. I feel like he battled some injuries last year, um, but he had a 43% ground ball rate, which was a pretty big jump, you know, about 6% from his career average. The last time he had a ground ball rate that was above 40% was in 2011, just to give you a sense of, you know, kind of how out of character that low ground ball rate was. So depending on the way you you view it, you could either see it as, oh, you know, the ground ball rate went up. Hopefully this isn't a sign of things to come, or maybe it's a sign of things to come, you know, which would hurt the power a little bit, um, you know, and, and the batting average potentially, because he's always been a super high line drive guy. He's been one of the few guys that you can really count on that uh, consistently high line drive rate from. Um, Or you could also view it as, well, you want to know something? He still crushed things last year with a high ground ball rate. You know, maybe he's fully healthy this year. You know, he gets it back to the normal range. And then you're talking about a guy who's hitting, you know, 35 home runs instead of 31 home runs. Um, I'm kind of interested to see over the course of the season how that ground ball rate um, went. Um, So I'm just going to pull out – pull. Pull up my lovely rolling average graph right here, and hopefully it will load soon. Uh Yeah, so it really spiked towards the end of the season. Um So I wonder if you know, I, I, I don't, rem- I don't know. Was he battling an injury at some point in time? I feel like it, but maybe not. I, I,
1: I can't recall one. I can look it up while you talk about him. But uh, he's usually getting banged up with a hit by pitch or something all the time. But yeah, um, yeah. Let me look into it for you and see what I can find.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's just um it's uh, it's a little bit noteworthy. It's the highest ground ball rate. You know, his last forty games, that stretch of time was the worst forty uh, game rolling average ground ball rate that he's had in uh, many years. Although it looks like in twenty eighteen he had something similar. Um, he had something similar in twenty eighteen, so not that long ago. Um, it doesn't seem you know that. It's kind of out, of out of the ordinary, but not that out of the ordinary. So that would be my one little concern, but he's a professional hitter. You know, he's still really, really good. I think he's fine where he's going right now. In a lot of ways, like, you know, he's he's very comparable to Vlad, you know, in the sense that you can rely on the batting average, the home runs, you know, maybe a little bit light there. You can count on their runs in the RBI, and then he's also going to contribute a few stolen bases. Um, which is uh which is pretty nice uh, from the first base position. So I think that's all I'll say on Freddie Freeman right there. I think I think he's a solid pick. Again, similar conversation to what you have on you know, Vlad Jr. just about, you know, kind of what you're getting and um this making up for the speed a little bit.
1: Yeah, no, he's uh he's gonna provide you very similar to Vlad. That's the crazy thing is like if he gets that bounce back like you're talking about where the um the uh the line, the ground ball rate and all that, that kind of stuff. And maybe the Babbitt changes a bit. That can be quite tremendous for his coming back. But, uh, last year, no, nothing last year, nothing at all. So he was never on the IL one time last year. So he was healthy. He was very hmm. healthy. So we'll see how that one looks. But, uh, yeah, I like Freddie. I think he's very, very intriguing if you're willing to go there. But the fun thing is, is you can get similar profiles by waiting a little longer. And the third first baseman off the board at pick 54 right now is Matt Olson. And this is a very interesting one with Matty Olson because he's climbed up. He used to not be the third guy like a week or so ago. Um, and people are, are are really infatuated with him. You know, 39 home runs, which was great. But he hit 271. Strikeout rate dropped tremendously to 16.8%. Uh, the runs in RBI is both over 100 for the first time in his career. He had a career year in 2021. The A's are going to be worse next year. Matt Olsen might get traded, too. So that that's something you can look into. But it's like a combination of do the strikeout skills stay the same? Probably not likely. That's just kind of the way things go. And with the team changing so much, that runs in RBIs that helped make him such an elite talent last year. It's hard to see that playing out as well. So I have steered clear of Matt Olsen so far. But there are some that absolutely love him, Toby
2: yeah and I mean there's he's he's very lovable, you know he's a lovable guy um the thing that I'd say about Olson, like I think of all the first basemen, maybe like the first i don't know twenty first basemen or something, he's the one guy that really doesn't check out as like a great value for where he's going, like just based on the projections you know I have you know a bunch of different first basemen um let me just uh, bring it up here. So of the first, so of like the first of, I mean, first base is just, you know, getting you a ton of value. And he's one of the few guys that actually isn't worth what his ADP is at the moment. Although I have his ADP in my spreadsheet is 50 And I think he's at like 56, at least in the last two weeks or something like that, 54 in the last two weeks. Um, He's the one guy that I'm a little skeptical on. I think one good, like just, you know, from a process standpoint. So last year he had a 78.6% contact rate, which was the highest of his career, which is fantastic. It was a 10% increase from the shortened season, um, but only like a three and a half percent increase from, you know, 2019. And so when you look at the strikeout rates, it's like, contact rate of 78.6% and then a K rate of 16.8%, right? So slightly better than league average, better than league average contact rate, way better than league average K rate. When he had a 75% contact rate, his strikeout rate was 25%. When he had a 70, 74.3% contact rate, his K rate was 24.7%. So I feel like even if he's able to maintain the contact gains, which I'd be surprised if he were to able to maintain them, you know, at such an elevated point to, to his career, um, you know, I think, I think you're looking at more of even like a 20% K rate or a 21% K rate guy, as opposed to the 16.8% K rate. So I don't believe that the batting average will stay in those 270s. I think, you know, his career average is 252, I think maybe slightly elevated from that, which is what a lot of the projections have, 257, 258. And I think you're looking much more at that and then when you think about the fact that you're, you're totally lacking speed, you know, from this guy, you know, then that for me, that's kind of like, well, you know, I can get home runs and runs in RBI later. Like if you look at like a guy like Josh Bell, who's going a lot later, you know, your batting average is going to be higher with a Josh Bell, most likely, you know, you're going to lose 10 home runs probably, uh, from Matthew, Matt, uh, Matt Olson. But, you know, you're going to have probably pretty similar runs in RBI from the guy, like given he's hitting behind Juan Soto, um, you know. And so that I think is like the, the conversation that's important to have, you know. And, and for me, Olsen really is the guy who just kind of stands out as not being worth, worth the pick. Obviously, if he replicates what he did last year, of course, he's going to be worth it. But, you know, having career highs across the board, does not feel like something that's um, that's super sustainable. Um, I also wonder, like with the K rate, I don't want to like push my luck on this too far. But I just wonder if he's another like one of the three two count guys where you just have like you, you know crazy it. better yeah. luck. You nailed um, it. You nailed it, it once already. Let's I know one. that's why I don't want to like go back to it because what if I'm wrong? I can't remember what player what it if was. But you nailed it. Um, it was, um, it was Jose Barrios. Yes. It was Jose Barrios. Yeah. So let's see in three, two counts. Um, so yeah, so his, his K rate, the lowest K rate he had in his career was in, um, outside of the five plate appearances he had in 2016 with, uh, with three in three, two counts was last year, 22.8% K rate in three, two counts compared to 28%, 28.9%, 32% and 43.5%. He also had his highest walk rate in in those counts last year as well. So he had like so his his walk rate was 36.2% and his K percentage was 22.8%. Um, and then for his entire career um can we just do that? Can we do Can we do his career? Uh, Anyways, I'm too lazy to do that. So anyways, so like these are the types of things where, again, it's not going to work out with every single player, but like it's kind of, I think it just shows how like one little thing like that in three, two counts, you have your best year ever can result in having your lowest K rate ever and your best batting average ever. And it's not necessarily something that we feel like should continue. And I know I've had some like back and forth with people who maybe think that like, Oh, well, it's not luck. Maybe it's a change in their approach. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty skeptical on that, honestly, because um, I'm just pretty skeptical because you have to have a pretty significant sample in order to determine whether it's an actual skill change that that person is developing. And you don't get enough plate appearances within a single year in order to get that, right? You're, you're probably getting, I can't remember what Olson had, but like 120 or something like that in a three, two count. And so you have to look at that broader, that broader sample to really get a sense of what they should be doing from a skill perspective in, the, in those counts. So again, you know, very long and, but I would expect the batting average to drop, the K rate to increase. And as a result, like, I just don't see, I don't see why you draft Madelson. It stinks because, like, last
1: year, the couple, last couple years, I've been pounding the medals and drum for where he was getting drafted, which obviously isn't pick 54 overall. He was more like <laughs> 1 to 150, it felt like. Uh, so it felt much more, like, doable. Uh, on my early – my rankings I have out so far for first base, I have him as my eighth first baseman, and I got lambasted all over Reddit. Reddit was furious with me, having him at eighth overall. And it's, I, they can't read because I explained why I have everybody ranked. where I literally wrote a paragraph on each freaking guy but um, I like Matt Olson, but I'm also realistic. Like you mentioned the things that could lead to regression, which now makes him like, I have Josh Bell ninth. Like they're right next to each other. I see a lot of similarities in those two guys. Like, and you, you even look at, you know, you can look at Joey Votto and you can see similarities there. You know, if Anthony Rizzo gets to the right spot, maybe CJ Cron. like Olson fits into that group you, you mentioned earlier of potential first baseman so much better, which is still a very good first baseman. It's just, his ADP so much higher now we're taking him there and it could work out great. Like Toby said, maybe he did make a change. Maybe he did. But you know, if you, if you said maybe someone made a change for all your picks, you're never going to win a league. I hate to break it to you. Like, cause they're not all going to make a change. It's just, it's going to backfire eventually. So it's, you just got to make the decision. If you're a believer, like I know Carlos Marcano, amazing analyst. Congratulations to Carlos nominated twice for FSWA awards. He loves Matt Olson. He's done research on metals. He believes in Matt Olson. well, He's not a stupid guy. He's a very smart guy. So if he thinks that's what it is, more power to him. Um, I'm going to be on the trepidation side of things on this one. So um, love Matt Olsen. Kind of hope he struggles a little bit this year so I can get him cheap again next year. But uh, that, that, that's where we are on that one. Now, if he gets traded to, like say, the Yankees, things get a lot more interesting. A lot yeah. more interesting. So that's kind of – I think some people are kind of drafting with that mindset as well because the Yankees have been rumored for that deal mm. so i think like the idea is that he's getting out of oakland which would already boost him pretty much like at 75 percent of the ballparks in baseball so yeah, he'd be he'd be perfect there yeah so there's like there
2: are things sure but as we sit right now very very difficult yeah uh, i mean smart yeah. smart people can disagree Baba. oh yeah just, no. it just yeah. so happens that we're right <laughs> Well, that's well, I don't want to get into to life I'm situations, but I wish we had more conversations
1: in life that we could disagree on and still be friends. That would make life so much better these days. But uh, the fourth first baseman off the board is Paul Goldschmidt, who was going third for a long time. He's going to pick 56, just a couple of picks after Matt Olson. And we talked about on the review podcast, Goldie brought it last year. 31 homers, 12 stolen bases, 102 runs, 99 RBIs, 294 average. If you just like go back and look at his seasons, he's pretty much been like a two ninety plus hitter almost every season. He's hitting you thirty plus home runs, uh, like four straight full seasons, five of the last six. He's driving in runs, he's scoring runs, he's even adding steals. Like they kind of disappeared for a couple seasons, but he had three double digit stolen base seasons from two thousand fifteen to two thousand seventeen. Stole twelve again last year. If like he can sneak in ten plus steals. Like legitly, the stat line he brought you last year should be going with Freddie Freeman area in the grand scheme of things in Miami my, my, if you believe in Freddie Freeman. Goldie should be up there. People don't believe. I think in Goldie, he's going to be 35 this year. He's getting older. Ballpark still isn't the most conducive to offense in St. Louis. That's that's a big big thing there. But he showed he could do it last year. It's, it'll be his third season there now. The lineup keeps getting better around him. You have Arenado. You have O'Neill taking the next step. There's there's stuff going on in St. Louis. I love Goldschmidt if you're willing to take the chance. I'm like, see, I'd rather take Goldie than Olson. That seems pretty simple in the grand scheme of things, but maybe not. But um, I'm a Goldie fan. I don't have any shares yet because people take him earlier than I want to. But um, he'd probably be, if I'm taking a guy early outside of the Vlad thing we talked about earlier, he'd probably be one of the first ones I'd be willing to take.
2: Yeah, I think, that, I think that's fair. I mean, he's a little bit different in the conversation. You know, I'd, I'd actually think of him similarly to Freddie Freeman in some ways because, you know, in 2021, he's still 12 bases, which you're like, that's fantastic let's do it again but you know at the same time like he only had three in 2019 he only had seven in 2018 his projections are like seven or eight stolen bases which i think is more reasonable which is kind of more in the kind of freddie freeman range of that but you know you're also getting him later in later in the draft that's not to say he's as good of a hitter as freddie freeman is necessarily i mean he's close enough but um Just there's like at least a little bit of a conversation about the stolen bases that he provides for you. But the consistency, like we mentioned in the preview pod, is just remarkable. You know, again, you throw out 2019, uh, 294, 304, 290, 297, 297, 321, 300, 302, 286. You know, like you take every single one, you take all of that, right? Like you take every single one of those batting averages that he's had except for 2019 in like the last 10 years, quite literally. Um, so that's fantastic. You know, the hard hit data, the plate discipline, the contact skills are all so similar to what they have been. The max EV is great. And he's actually striking the ball more consistently. The barrels, you know, his highest barrel rate, uh, ever in 2021, you know, so he's really, really solid. And I think it's, you know, um, I think, yeah, I think he's, he's a really solid pick right there. I mean, I don't think it's a terrible thing to like, especially if you start off with, you know, um, if you start off with, you know, pocket pocket aces or something like that. I, you know, I don't want to go down that road too much because that's like my thing. But like, if you start out with something like that, and he's your first or second hitter that you're grabbing, you know, you feel kind of good with the fact that you've built yourself a pretty solid foundation, consistency, you know. Batting average, little bit of stolen bases. You pretty good feel pretty good about the counting stats and, and the home runs are all right as well. You know, so I like him in that, you know, I like him in that, in that kind of sense. So Goldie's really nice. I agree that if I probably went with the first baseman in this, in this region, I'd probably go with him. Although I do have like a, a little bit of a soft spot um, in my tummy for uh big Me big Me Pete. Um, the polar bear. Uh, but just to give you a sense, like what you mentioned between Olsen and Goldie, you know, um, Olsen's going at at uh, what, what like I have. Like 54 and Goldie's like 56. Yeah, 54 and, four, uh, and 56. And then for me, I have Goldie as about a $22 player and I have Olsen as about a $20 player, right? So there's a $2 difference. Goldie's going higher. So it's not like a huge difference, right? Like it can be made up. You know, vary by a few home runs here, a few stolen bases here, a couple points in batting average. But when you think about like what it means later on as you draft and your roster construction, I would put like a couple bonus points onto that gold that Goldie line just because it does give you a little bit more five category contribution.
1: Yeah, he's he's like I guess we said he's he's more similar to Freddie Freeman. Kind of a poor man's Vlad, because he's not gonna be as elite as Vlad, but you're getting him so much later. So it's like if you want one of the elite first baseman with one of the more consistent stat lines in baseball, it's fun. Like we talked about it on the review show. I I really I think I need to do it I maybe do an NFC fifty or something just to see how it goes. Just get the consistent like let me grab Goldie, let me grab Arenado, let me grab Altuve, let me grab like all these boring consistent stat lines and see how the like the overall thing fills out. It'd be kind of fun to see instead of going for like Oh, let's go get Kyle Tucker. Let's go get Luis Robert and see. You know, let's just get these consistent, like little, just and see where it goes. It'd be kind of interesting to see how it goes. Like, I'm not going to go pay like 400 bucks to go find out how it goes, but a little $50 to, for like a little test could be quite interesting. All right. The fifth first baseman at the board, Toby hinted at him, going around pick 64 right now. Big meet Pete, the polar bear. And he has a fun one because, like, we kind of talked about consistent, steady eddies for the most part. They get to Pete. 37 homers last year, get 53 in 2019, the big, big season. We talked about in the review show, you know, I hit 262, we hit 260 in that big 2019 season. The strikeout rate drops really nicely last year, kind of like Matt Olson did, but actually even not as big a drop as Matt Olson, kind of a maybe more believable drop um, in this one. I think what we saw last year is more like the consistency we can see with like um, Pete, 35 to 40 homers and whatnot, with the chance of a ceiling which is really nice. So that's kind of the difference between the goldies in this area. Like you said is okay. I can go get me like my 30 ish homers or whatever. Not as good of a bag average probably as the other guys. But if I want to try to get like 50 home runs, this is one of the guys in fantasy. that can go get you 50 home runs.
2: Yeah. I mean, big meat Pete, like I've never drafted him on a single team. I. I've Neither never I. drafted him, but I'm not going to lie. Like, I know batting average and stolen bases are like what you should be focused on, right? Because the other things, they're available later on, right? And there's, you know, some other things. But the thing about P, I'm a believer. Like, I think that this guy is just a really good hitter. Like, I think the batting average, you know, is solid enough. Like, I think, you know, he's cut down the K rate, like you mentioned. Again, I think there's luck there. I think there's luck there. You know, 76.7% contact rate, which is slightly better than league average, you know, and he's down at 19.9%. I think the projections are right here where they have him like between 21.4 and 22%. I think that's much more likely to be the case, you know, with league average around like 23.5, you know, 22 seems more in line there. But even with that, like it's a decent amount of contact, you know, that he's making, you know he's absolutely crushing the ball you know we know the max ev is is lights out 118.4 you know barrels he had 65 barrels for those 37 home runs you know so um you know a little bit down you know maybe maybe earned or deserved a few more home runs there um but the dude can just hit he's got a good plate discipline uh hits the ball in the air a decent amount like i just love everything like if i were to be like He's like a guy where I'm like, man, I could make this pick and he's going to be good. Like, I have no doubt he's going to be good. I've no, got no doubt he's going to contribute. Whereas with like Matt Olson, I'm like, mm, he could hit 230. Like I could see him hitting 230, 240, you know, and really kind of hurting you a little bit there. I mean, big me, Pete, I'm like, you're going to hit 260, man. You're You may even hit higher than 260. You're going to absolutely crush the ball. Like you're just absolutely going to crush the ball. You're in an improved lineup, generally speaking. Depending on where they slot people, but like Mark Connor has an absolutely fantastic OVP, you know. Um, Frank Frankie Lindor can't hit worse than he did last year, right? Brandon so there's Nemo so gets on
1: base like crazy.
2: Nimo gets on base like crazy. Like it's just you know there's some there's some really good things that could happen. Like would I be surprised if he hit like 280 with 50 home runs and like nope. 100 runs and 120 RBI? I, I wouldn't. He'd probably like steal 10 bases too. Just a cherry he's big, on top, he's big, dude. He's Big Meat Pete, the polar bear. Yep. So, I I I don't I don't mind this pick. I haven't made this pick. So I'm the bottom line is bad. you
1: you need a pocket aces with JTR and Big Meat Pete. Oh, man. That's what you need to do. You need to, you need be, to focus
2: on this. Well, Big Meat Pete <laughs> falls to me at like seventy, pick seventy when I'm doing that. Like I I I might grab him there. I mean, he's the thirty eighth ranked player. ADP was, value. was 66 when I when I did it. I mean, over the last two weeks, he's at 71, you know, so he's falling in drafts. Yep. Um, so that might be a little bit intriguing because, yeah, 38th best player, you're getting a tremendous amount of perceived value there, like in in terms of the differential like between his ADP and, and his rank. I mean, $22, he's right, right ahead of, of Paul Goldschmidt. You know, but going 15 picks later, I mean, that's pretty juicy. Yep, it's gonna be fun. I can't wait till I see that tweet
1: come out where Toby takes Big Meat Pete. It's gonna happen. I, I can feel it coming. Oh, dude! And, unless someone just wants a to lot start of to money, Randy. a lot
2: of money on the line. I'm just gonna Big Meat Pete it.
1: it but the thing is, if for like an overall, <clears throat> that's the kind of guy. That's the kind of dude for an overall because if he hits that 50 home run mark, it's like. When you look at later round picks, like I started digging into like post 200 draft picks just in general. There's not, there's a couple, maybe 30 home run guys, a lot of 20 home run guys. Ain't no 50 home run guys. So, and I know Pete's not post 200, but that just shows you the gap. Like in, in home runs that you, like you say, you can get home runs later. You can, you're not getting 50 home runs later. So <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a big difference how it works out, but that's kind of the, the risk reward of the situation. And I know yourself and I usually am too, as I'm more of a risk guy later in the draft. (laughs) But, um, you know, you might have to pay for some big beat Pete. That's just the way it's
2: going to go. And, Uh, and one thing to consider too, is with the dip in power from last year, home runs are much more valuable. So like big meat Pete goes out and hits 50 home runs. Now 80th percentile in a draft and hold, at least I think is 310 home runs. So you're talking about a guy who's getting one sixth, He's huge. getting you one-sixth of the way to 80th percentile if he gets that. I mean, we're we're speculating here. We're speculating on 50 home runs.
1: That, leave, that leaves 12 other offensive spots to get the five-sixth.
2: I mean, <laughs> I think 13 spots, right? I have 14. 14
1: Yeah, 13 spots.
2: 13 spots. That's pretty I good. I mean, like... Pretty I mean, good. Just throw in a couple miles throws in there, and you're still in good shape.
1: Yeah, know? I'm telling you, we're starting to build. Get Alberto Mondesi.
2: Hey, there you go. I, mean, I saw you. Alberto Adal- Alberto going 30, 70 this year, dude. Yep. I mean,
1: because I drafted him. Because I was saying you drafted him, so we saw it. It's my All one
2: right. Alberto Mondesi share. I got him at seventy. at seventy three. Pick seventy three. I mean, at that point, I'm like play fifty percent of the games. Yep. And, you know, well, toss and, on
1: we've said else. it. We've said it before. Is I think he's. It, it, people get mad when we say comments, I guess, or anybody says comments, I guess. But he's perfect for a DC because you drafted two or three other basements. He's hurt put him on guy It's in. true. It's not like like you don't have to go the waiver wire and hope. You know, so and so is on the waiver wire. Like you have other guys you could throw in there. It's the perfect storm for, for having
2: Mondesi. Um, I mean, the so. guy stole 17 bases in 126 at bats yeah. last year. It's crazy. If he gets his, to 300 at bats, yeah. he's stealing 30 bases. People, his pace, is and he's going to hit insane. 10 home runs. Real. I mean, and he's think, so fun to have on your team because it's like because oh, when he goes just, off, it's awesome. Oh, dude, you're just like you check the box score every day. Like every time, every time you're like you're like on your phone, and he's up to bat, and he gets on first, and you're just like. Oh, hell, yeah. and well, like, just think, just think, nobody about this. else in front of him. He's getting second, he's getting third. Like, well, just, just think about
1: this he's projected by the Bad X ATC to play 120 or 121 games, hit you 17 or 18 homers, and still get anywhere from 38 to 42 bases in only 120 games. That leaves you 42 other games, six weeks of baseball for a replacement player. So, you could potentially get like 30, 50, 30, 60 out of that position oh, if dude. you draft it properly.
2: Baba, here's the deal. All right. In one of my DCs, which I will name Adalberto Big Meat.
1: Oh, do it.
2: I am gonna do, I'm gonna get Adalberto and well, it's gonna be tough. I need them both to fall. You can call it get, Jam.
1: JTR for JTR, Adalberto, and, and Big Meat Pete, Jam.
2: I'm gonna do those. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna rock that, dude. Just punt oh pitch, my and god, do the total those opposite. two on the same team. Adalberto Alberto and Big Meat Pete on the same team. That that when is Toby, a team
1: I will root. When Toby for. wins the DC overall with that team.
2: Just, oh just my that. God. Yeah. Holy.
1: Okay, I'm reining us back in. Sixth first baseman off the board here at pick eighty-eight. So we're taking a jump, basically 24 picks from Pete Alonzo. Uh a little less than two rounds in a 15 teamer, two rounds in a 12 teamer, of course. Jose Abreu, pick eighty-eight overall. And he is another one of those kind of goalie types, the uh, just epitome of consistency. Not gonna hit for the average of a goalie; he's gonna hit like more like two sixty, maybe run into a two seventy if things click right these days. But he's gonna hit you; a, he's gonna get you a, another big um, power season, potentially like the thirty home run range more often than not. And what Abreu does so incredibly well because of that Chicago White Sox team drives in all of the runs all but two seasons, one of which was the 60-game 2022 season, so all but one regular-length season, he has had at least 100 RBIs, which is pretty crazy. He six of seven seasons, over 100 RBIs. Usually gets you 80-plus runs scored, but the power is there. Average is decent, and he plays a lot because he DHs and plays first base. He's played over 150 games in five of his seven full baseball seasons. This guy literally is the pencil it in, let's rock and roll, this is what you're going to get. So, Again, and he's boring. People just don't want to draft him. He fell to 99 in our Battle of the Podcast draft. Um, he's a stud, an absolute stud, but uh, people just kind of like he's old. They don't want to deal with him. But as long as that DH is there, I don't see it being a problem right
2: now. Yeah, I mean, I think I think he's, he's super interesting to me. I mean, another guy that I haven't drafted yet, but I just feel like he's in for a really good year. We talked about this in the review pod, but there's so many similarities between last year and 2018. You know, in 2018, he had his his second lowest batting average at 265. Last year he hit 261. Those are the only two years that his Babip has been under 320, right? It's he's 324 for his career. You know, so there's some bad luck there. We look at the variance again, you know, like the in-line drive rate. You know, he had a, the second lowest line drive rate of his career you know, which is probably one of the reasons why, you know, you're looking at a guy who, you know, hit 260 instead of 270, 280 um, last year, you know, once that normalizes closer to what it, what it has been throughout his career and you know, that batting average goes up a little bit, um, you know, and like, he's just all around solid. Like the contact rate's great. It, it increased after it went down, you know, in that shortened season when he was so phenomenal, it's still down a little bit from previous um, previous highs, but, You know, still enough where him hitting 280, you know, 290, uh, I don't necessarily think is is a problem. Not that you're going to bank on that happening, but I could definitely foresee that happening. Um, Continues, you know, to hit the ball hard, 44 barrels last year, 10.2%, you know, barrel rate, you know, is max EV, 115.6, you know, is is rock solid there. So, um, again, I think there's a lot to like about Abreu. I think you can look for, you know, similar contributions to what he did in 2019, you know, 284, 33, 85, 123. I think that seems, you know, within the range of possibilities. If you look at ATC, it's even got him at 266, 31, 86, and 100. You know, so you're just looking at a change in the batting average there to boost that up a little bit. So I think he's really good. He's very solid. You know, the same conversation, like a broken record around first baseman. You know, he doesn't have the stolen bases necessarily. And maybe, maybe, I mean, maybe he doesn't have the elite batting average because in his last three full seasons, 265, 284, 261. But, you know, again, a a rock solid pick, a guy who's going to contribute. You put him in there, you're not really worried about a total stinker. Like he's going to do, he's going to do some work.
1: Yeah. No, he's, he's pretty darn awesome until it's like the Nelson Cruz thing. Until I see something weird take place, I'm just going to keep trusting a Breu going to kind of hit. He just gets it done time and time again, so I'm with you on that one. Uh, the seventh first baseman off the board, going to pick 110, is Ryan Mountcastle, and I look just for fun like the last two weeks, per se, since like news came out on the fence, it's 114. He's not dropping a ton, and um, he hit 33 home runs last year, hitting 255. Projections still have him for 31-plus. I know Andrew Perpetua uh, did some research on the fence deal, and he's one of the guys that really doesn't get penalized a lot because his pulled home runs were just bombs is what it comes down to, so we'll see how that plays out. But noncastle was a stud, uh, rookie of the year type stuff, but uh, I still have trouble grabbing him here.
2: Yeah, you know, I haven't grabbed him much. I mean, maybe it's the play discipline. It's not ideal. You know, he swings at pitches outside of the zone a ton, 41.5%. You know, his contact rate's low, 70.6%. Um, you know, so there's some concerns there with the elevated K rate and the really bad, you know, O swing, like close to like league worst O swing type stuff. You know, whether, you know, but obviously he was really good last year. So the question is like, is he just one of these guys like, you know, an Eddie Rosario, like Bobby a Javi Baez, Baez yeah. who who can, an Obisail Garcia, who can be successful with that approach? I mean, if so, those guys have proven to be really valuable from a fantasy contribution perspective. So, you know, again, like I don't mind it too much. I think there's, there's a cap on that batting average right now because the strikeout rate, you know, is, is so high because the swing and miss is so high. The chase rate is so high, you know, obviously there's the Camden issue. We don't have a huge sample in terms of his home runs, you know, again, so we can at least expect him to lose a couple, I think it's interesting that steamer has him at the lowest. I know that steamer has accounted for the change, you know, in, in home stadium there with the 29 home runs compared to, you know, between 31 and 33 for the bad X and the ATC projections. Um, So yeah, you know, so we'll see. So I don't necessarily mind it because of where he's going, you know, is still, um, you know, uh, it's not super high up there, but when I think about like, you know, him, like, versus like an Abreu or somebody like that. I'd rather kind of pay up a little bit more to grab an Abreu than I would a Mount Castle just because we don't have the track record and because the plate discipline, you know, gives me a little bit of, a little bit of the heebie-jeebies, but yeah.
1: Yeah, like I like Mount Castle. I liked him last year for his value. This year's a little different. Like I have him as my 13th first baseman kind of after that next glob of guys we talk about because like I feel like I can kind of trust what these other guys are going to put out there, which I, I like a lot more where Mount Castle uh, it seems like there's a lot of risk reward. The one thing I'll say is, like he he is swinging a ton outside the zone, but his O contact's pretty close to league average, which is good. So he's making a ton of contact outside the zone, but so he might he might be a bias type. We'll see. And time will tell. But like, I but is that Javi good? Javi. Yeah. One well, thing is, I I am a Javi Bias fan, but but that's because I've seen him do it multiple years. Where Ryan Mountcastle, that was his first full season in baseball, in Major League Baseball. So yeah. it's kind of the, the, the differences between the two. It's, you know, Baez has proven to me time and time again. This is just who he is. And one year, I've, I've admitted one year, it's just going to fall off a cliff, and that's going to be horrible. Mountcastle's one year could be now because we haven't seen it ever happen again. So it's like, if, if, if he does it again this next year, well, I'll kind of reevaluate things. I'll be like, okay, maybe this is who the dude is like legit could be him. And one thing to think about, if he's swinging outside the zone, I have to have to look like, is he swinging more on the outside corner or is it more on the inside pitches? Cause if it's outside with his power, he could flick it over the right field wall in Camden. We've seen that ball fly out of right field. And that way the fence has no big deal with what's going on. I haven't looked at any of that stuff. I have no idea. But um, he's a powerful guy, so it's not like he he gets like some people when they're like they're just chasing all the time, they're hitting weak ground balls and stuff. Where Mountcastle is a big, strong dude, so I'm I'm kind of curious to see how that kind of plays out going into this next year. All right, the eighth first baseman off the board. He plays first base, second base, and third base. He's picked one sixteen overall, and he plays for everyone's favorite team, the New York Yankees. Uh, DJ Lemayhu. Played in 150 games last year, which I would have lost a bet if you would have told me that because he only hit 10 home runs, only stole four bases, hit 268. We found out now that he had a, an injury he was dealing with like all year. He's had surgery on that. He's supposed to be fine, but he's another one of those guys that I wasn't into last year. It is, it is like he, had, he was very high ADP last year. He's much more, I guess, formidable to people that do like DJ LeMahieu. I've just never been a guy that can just, I don't know. I got rid of Jake Cronenworth or something else in, in that range. So I've never been in on DJ LeMayhew, but what's what's your take? Because if he's leading off for the Yankees, there's a lot of merit to that still.
2: Yeah. Um, Before I hop into the DJ LeMayhew, I just want to say, there's a lot of pressure right now on Drew Morris. Yeah. Um, I'm there's a that. lot of pressure on Drew Morris. It's currently midnight 06, 1206. Uh, in Eastern uh, Standard Time, and I know that Drew lives on the East Coast, but he is the only thing, ladies and gentlemen, standing between you, the listener, and Bubba and the Batflip, both making draft picks in the Battle of the Pods League, DC. Now, I'm I'm doubtful that that's going to happen because I think he's probably asleep. But um, if he comes through, that could be that that could be stuff of legends right there. Um, so with that said, cause you all want to know who we're going to pick with in our 190th pick, you know? Uh, so DJ LeMay, yeah, I really like DJ this year. I've talked about it. You're probably not getting him as a first baseman, although in one of my leagues, I may end up with him as my first baseman. You know, you're probably getting him for third, maybe for second, you know, or whatever, but you know, there's, there's the triple position eligibility, which is beautiful. Like you mentioned, he was injured you know, and so if we, not that we can just like discount entire seasons, but, you know, let's take out last season, his batting averages are, you know, 364 shortened season, 327, 276, 310, 348, 301, you know, you get the point, right? Like this guy hits for a very high average. And like you said, if he's hitting for a very high average, you know, then he's getting on base at a pretty good clip. He's got good plate discipline, the O swing, has been better than the average in all of the last seven seasons. It was down at twenty five point six percent, you know, last year. He makes a ton of contact. He goes the opposite way. You know, he should have a decent, you know, a, a pretty good BABIP, you know, career three forty. Um, so if you say like, okay, the guy's injured, he's going to get back to that, you know, let's call it a three thirty babbitt, three twenty even, you know, building in some regression. Like, I mean, it's going to be juicy. And, you know, last year he scored, he had, he had 679 plate appearances as the leadoff hitter. And he only scored 84 runs last year for the, for the Yankees. You know, that's not something that's going to happen again. That's one of those things that you should be on the lookout for is when a guy, like when the runs per plate appearance is just way too low for where they are. Like, you know, he's got Aaron judge behind him. He's got Giancarlo Stanton. He's got whoever the number two hitter is. I can't even think about it right now. But like, oh, it's probably Judge, right? It's like should be. Is that they what their lineup is. In the order a lot. Well, let's see. What are the Yankees? What does the Yankees lineup look like? It's always changing. It's Show me. So you got yeah, Lemayhew, <laughs> Judge, Stanton, Gallo. I mean, come on. This guy is going to score runs like crazy. Well, he better score,
1: he better score runs by Stanton because Gallo's is going to strike out, and then then Gary Sanchez is going to strike out. Yeah,
2: <laughs> that's true. And then uh, Glaber Torres is going to knock them all in in yes, his MVP you took season. Took Glaber Torres too. I saw. That. I that take. I, I'll surprising. take a Glaber. I'll take a Glaber for sure. Um, yeah, but I mean, you look at like you know, even his career home run per fly ball rate is ten percent. Last year it was seven point seven percent. So that should go up. I think you're looking up at least 15 home runs from the guy, especially with that short porch. I mean, it's built for having like a higher home run per fly ball rate um, than he, he's had, you know, before, like in his previous two seasons with the Yankees at 19.3 and 27%. You add those three seasons together. I can't do the math in my head, but you're probably looking at like a 15, 15% 15 you know, plus um, home run per fly ball rate um, over the course of those three seasons. You know, and, and if that's the case, like, you know, sign me up. He'll he'll give you a handful of stolen bases as well. I really love where he's going. I think he he can make your team better in so many different ways, from the flexibility to the batting average to the runs. You know, I mean, he's beautiful.
1: Yeah, see, um, I agree with everything you said. That's why like, I need to just change my focus on DJ, like I did with Brandon Lau already when, in a draft. It's one of those deals. But I feel like there's always someone in my draft who likes him even more than I do. And they're just reaching for DJ Lemayu. So maybe that'll change in redrafts because DC people favor that uh, position eligibility a lot more potentially. So maybe it'll be a little different uh, in in another month when I start doing some redraft leagues to kind of maybe get some DJ. Because the run scored, I think, is going to be very, very nice with him. I'm with you on that for sure. So I might have to reexamine the DJ Lemayu part of of my process in this one. Because at first base, yeah, you're right. You're not drafting on first base. It's nice to have in case you have injuries or whatever. So, like – that you can you can slug them in there, but um, that's not the goal. That's not the that's not the plan when you're drafting T.J. LeMahieu. All right, the ninth first baseman off the board, and in the last twenty four hours, it has flip flopped with number ten. So now wow. the ninth first baseman off the board in the past thirty days is Jake Cronenworth, first base, second base, shortstop at pick one twenty five. Um, I love Rake. He had twenty one homers last year, four stolen bases, ninety four runs scored hit 266, uh, the projections still like him. Like they don't think he's that much power, but probably some more speed, uh, that, uh, Padres offense is going to need some work. So that's going to be interesting because that overall team does not look as great as it could look, but I, I like what Wars can do. And he was banged up off and on last year too, and still put up a, a rather solid set of numbers. Um, that's why it's fun kind of comparing him and, uh, DJ, the Mayhew for me.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, he he is interesting. I mean, I think the batting average is obviously, I think the batting average ceiling is a lot lower, you know, than LeMayhu necessarily. The power, you know, is pretty, pretty comparable. Uh he hit twenty-one home runs last year. He had those 35 barrels. You know, he's now got twenty-five home runs on fifty barrels, you know. So, um, uh, you know, decent pop there. I know that we gave him a little bit of crap last year because it was just kind of like I'm not sure exactly what he does super well, but he does contribute across the board. You know, the runs in RBI are going to be interesting. Where are they projecting him to hit in that lineup? Because we were, I was talking Mm -hmm. about on the, on the catcher podcast um, that I did with uh, James Anderson and Dave McDonald. Like, oh, so they have him batting third. Like it's a, it's not a great lineup. No,
1: that's what I was saying. It's not great, but you have to imagine once the lockout's over, they're making some more moves. Preller likes to trade. I mean
2: Trent Grisham is okay. Tatis is obviously amazing. Machado's amazing. Cronin worth hitting third there. Yep. Hosmer after that. Will Meyer. Like yeah. it's just um, you know, although like I'm kind of a Hassium Kim fan this year. So I- I'm I'm interested to see if he, you know, if he can get into the lineup on a more regular basis. But yeah, so it's just it's not that great of a lineup. So maybe those runs and RBI numbers are 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 fair for him. Um, It's just like, it's not, I just don't think there's the upside that there is with some other guys like Lemayhu being one example, but, you know, even like, you know, with some of the guys going later, like CJ Krohn, Josh Bell, even Ty France, you know, where it's kind of like, you can get them a little bit later in the draft. They're going to have relatively comparable batting averages to Cronenworth, probably not as good, but a lot more power, probably better counting stats. And then Cronenworth hasn't really shown that he will steal bases all that often, you know, um, in his career thus far, he's got seven in 835 plate appearances. So we're kind of hoping that he does because we know that the sprint speed is there, but you know, he's only seven for 11 on those attempts. He was only four at, for seven last year. He's hitting in front of Machado. So maybe they're not giving him the green light for that reason. You know, so just like a lot of different things that maybe where it's like he's fine, but I don't, I don't love him um here. I think there's better later.
1: It's tough, like similar to DJ for me as I'm not drafting him for first base. Like, in my first-base rankings, I have him ranked 21st at first base because I, I don't want him at first base. Now, if you look at my other rankings, he's much higher because, like, I prefer him at second base, maybe even as a middle infield option later on, probably not shortstop even. Like, it's it's nice to have the flexibility, but he's not really a, a first baseman for me. I, I love the hit tool. The lineup scares me more than I thought it would when uh, looking at that earlier today. But I still think there's, there's, there's more to to Jake there if they can just get the right – if he's hitting between Tatis and Machado, he's getting a lot of pitches to hit, a lot of pitches to hit. So there, there's a little strategy to that as well by building him in the lineup there. But I don't know. It'll be interesting. I think we saw some really, really good spots from Jake last year. We also saw some uh, some slumps when he was banged up last year. it uh, be interesting to see where he kind of uh, pans out for sure. The 10th and final first baseman off the board in the top 10 here is Jared Walsh of Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim going to pick 126. Walsh is a, is a fun one. 29 home runs last year, hit 277, 98 RBIs, struck out 28% of the time. So he got, he's got that going for him. Massive BABIP as well, but that comes with hitting the ball hard. The projections still like him, you know, 27 or 30 home runs, give or take. Uh, the average drops quite a bit, though, more like a 250 to 260 guy, which probably seems a little more reasonable, all things considered, because they have his BABIP dropping quite a bit to kind of even even things out there. But, there's no doubting how hard he hits the ball, how consistent he hits the ball. He barrels it up all over the place. Uh, there's a lot to like with him, but a massive ground ball guy that puts up that kind of production is uh, pretty interesting, to say the least.
2: Yeah, he, he's definitely interesting. I have not grabbed him yet, even though he shows up as one of the better um, better uh, values on on the spreadsheet, um, or he, he did. Um, it's interesting. I wonder if the Bat-X has him. Yeah, the Bat-X has him as... The, has the worst projection for him. So I had like ATC, ATC and Steamer combined. And now I've added in the bat X for, for hitters and the bat for for pitchers and definitely likes him the least from batting average and power perspective and, you know, counting stats. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree. Like the batting average is definitely higher than I think it should be. The power is, is fairly legit. And I think one thing to think about this, I should actually check. Um, would be like what his home road splits are. Uh, they're actually not that, that different because, you know, a- Anaheim plays is the, the best left-handed power park in the baseball, um, I have seen, uh, in some places. And so, you know, that's definitely going to help him out, um, uh, considerably. And I was listening to a podcast and I cannot remember which one it was. Um, maybe it was maybe I was listening to the stream that Justin and Dave were doing yesterday, but I think they were talking about Jared Walsh and his platoon splits. Like he has a really low batting average, I think. Um, you know, when he's hitting left-handed, yeah, he hits 196. Um, but he has a decent amount of power. Um, let's see, what do we got? Um, actually, maybe I'm maybe I'm lying there. Um maybe it was just last year then maybe it was last year i'm just i was looking at his career maybe it was just in 2021 that that was the case um but no although he hit 170 he hit 10 home runs though from the left side of the plate uh yeah i mean mm, i don't know 48 wrc plus doesn't seem good anyway you shake it or a 241 woba so whatever i was listening to i disagree with them so there is like the platoon element that maybe you're concerned about. Um, with Walsh, I just, I struggle with the other first baseman on the board, longer track record, similar profile, um, grabbing him where he's going. Cause he's like, you said, he's going like 10th. He's going in that one twenty five ish range. And you can wait another 30 picks and pick up guys that are, that are still relatively similar to him. So I'm not that into him.
1: Sorry, Jared. Now that's that's my problem with him as well. Like I like the hit tool, I like the power. There's a lot of question marks. Like I believe the projections when they have him dropping in batting average, because even if you look at the X stats, not the end all be all, but they even showed that he outperformed his batting average by a good probably twenty to thirty points as well. And most of the projections have him dropping twenty eight, twenty, you know, fifteen to twenty points. And a lot of that's Babbitt related, as you mentioned. So We'll have to wait and see. Like I don't, I'm not as worried about the the platoon as I think some others are because you know you, you're still going to play him at first base more than often, or often than not, I believe, because you know you have Otani DH and you know, I doubt he plays too much outfield. Uh, Trout will be back, which would be nice, and I guess you do have Adele and Wal, um, uh Marsh, and some other guys. So you have a lot of moving pieces, but I think they're going to want to keep Walsh's power out there for now. But we'll see. Maybe they, they have so many options. If he scuffles at all, they'll kind of be like, you know what we're going to take a little breather here and, and see where it goes. We played 144 games last year, which I think is pretty darn good for his first full campaign. And uh, I think if he does that again, he's good for 25 plus, but like you said, there's a lot of 25 plus coming up right after him in, the, in at the first base position. And that's what makes it a fun position. Like we talked about at the beginning strategy wise, like, do you want to take a stud early or do you want to wait on a lot of similar players? Like Toby tweeted it out. It was so funny for people that have been doing drafts like Rob Silver commented and others is, this 25 to 30 home run guy is all over first base it's there's a there's a ton of them if you want to strat uh, you know like strategery strategize however you want to say around it to make it interesting for so for this next portion picks 11 through 20 ADP wise we're gonna take two guys each like usual and i left uh it's funny too because i almost took the first one but i knew you liked him so i left him because well, i you could literally stole take, my
2: he stole one of my uh, guys
1: i well i could almost take like almost all these guys, if I really wanted to, I could make arguments for most of them, but it's CJ Crone, Josh Bell, Ty France, Reese Hoskins, Joey Votto, Tyler Stevenson, a big, big, big guy, big guy, Tyler Stevenson, Alex oh, Gierloff, Anthony Rizzo, Max Muncy, Trey Mancini. That ranges from pick 131 to pick 189. So literally 60 picks, four rounds. You can get all of these first basements. So if you want to wait and it's a fun section, because if like you like a good chunk of these guys, you can basically wait for someone to take the first one and go, okay, that means my next pick. I got like, they. someone can start the run and you don't feel like you're going to miss out type situation. It, it's kind of a nice thing with this range. So Toby, who is your first of two picks in this range you'd like to discuss?
2: Um, I've chose Josh bell. Um, because I think one of the ways that he differentiates himself from this crew, at least a little bit, um, is with, um, with, with the batting average. um, I think that, you know, last year, like we were worried he was broken after 2020, if you remember, Um, but he put it together, you know, he had uh, close to a, you know, highest contact rate since 2018. You know, so he was making a ton of contact with the ball. Um, He was, you know, destroying it like 150, close to 160 max EV. You know, he did, he had 35 barrels, 27 home runs. So maybe a little high there. 8.8% barrel rate, but he also had a ground ball rate that was like 53.5%, you know? And so last year he had 55.7, this year he had 53.5. In previous seasons, he's had 44, 48.5, 51.1, and 50. So if, if, big if, but if he can get into those, into the forties, you know, with his ground ball rate, I think you're talking about a handful more home runs. He could be among the leaders in RBI solely because he's going to be hitting, you know, behind um, Juan Soto, who's going to be on base, you know, over 40% of the time. Um, the Nationals Park is really nice. They now don't have any competition for him. So he's not going to be like platooning with Ryan Zimmerman anymore. He's going to be playing every day. He only had 568 plate appearances last year. I really think that he can be a, a pretty big difference maker with the batting average power and just overall contributions that he's going to make. And, and there's another gear there that we've seen, you know, in, in, in bits and pieces throughout his career. And if he could just put together that one season, you know, where he kind of puts it all together, um, it could be pretty massive. So
1: we'll see. Yep. No problem with Josh Bell in my book. My first guy, and it's uh, just on brand for the show, and I have his autographed baseball above uh, my TV um, thanks to our our wonderful trivia contest that we take place in every year. But uh, Reese Hoskins. Reese Hoskins, Reese's Pieces is a a diehard fan of the show, I bet. I really bet he is. I'm a a diehard fan of of Reese Hoskins.
2: He DMs me after every show just to say how good of a show it was
1: and and it's because he talked about his teammate too in jtr the way you do so it's it's a big big deal for him but um last year we saw it coming back you know 27 home runs you know he hit 29 and thirty four his last two full seasons he got hurt but he was absolutely mashing before he got hurt average was there when he, before he got hurt because he started out slow last season so you'll see a 247 average like yeah whatever but he was crushing it towards the end and the 27 home runs he was on pace for probably a good 35 to 40 home runs he only did that in 107 games which is pretty nice. you got projection sites, have them for 30 to 35 homers playing in less than 130 games this next year. He's never been a ba- big batting average guy. You just learn to accept that. 247 last year would have been his best batting average since 2017. So that's pretty solid. But the, the power is what you go for, and that will result in runs scored and RBIs because in those 107 games, 64 runs, 71 RBIs. Obviously, you can prorate things out to like 130 games, and you're getting like 80 to 90 in each category, and you're very, very happy. With life because he waited on the position and got an absolute stud. Uh, you know, strikeout rate stayed similar, walked a little less this last year, but the overall skill set uh, is pretty darn good. The The barrel rate 17% was the best of his career, hard hit rate 46.3% was the best of his career. Like I said, he was destroying baseballs, and even the X stats show he slightly underperformed what uh, the metrics might have given him on this one. But, um, you know, it, it's Reese is a very, very powerful guy as long as you're willing to accept. The uh, the bad average woes. And usually he's a great OBP guy, so the 10% walk rate was kind of a surprise from Reese Hoskins this last year. So I love everything about him. Uh, You know, the fly ball rate's pretty similar. Ground ball rate's pretty similar last year. Not too much to worry about there. It's strictly, to me, an injury thing. Um, You know, he swung a little more outside the zone this last year, but he also swung more inside the zone. He's swinging more often which is what you like to see, at least what I like to see, because it's at least it's consistent thing. It's not just one thing or the other. He's doing it everywhere, but the contact rates um, stayed similar to last year. Um, the O contact is down since 2019, which is kind of a bummer, but in line with pretty much his other powerful seasons. So we can live with that. But you know what you're going to get with Reese Hoskins as long as he's on the field, which is an if from time to time with Reese Hoskins. But you're in line for 30-plus home runs, one of the fewer – guys to do that because i think most guys we could say 20 to 25 but reese can get you 30 to 40 if things really really run well but uh and uh the power numbers but with harper there with real muto there lots of talent in philadelphia like i i love reese hoskins the ballpark's very (laughs) conducive to power just stay healthy reese just stay healthy and big things can happen so reese hoskins is a guy that i have circled as one of my guys in this range
2: I would have taken him honestly. I mean, he's so good and and he, a couple things that one thing you mentioned there is like the batting average. I mean, if you look at his career two forty seven two forty five two twenty yep. six two forty six two fifty nine it's really just that one year yep. that he's been a huge batting average suck and with batting average where it is today, two fifty seven yep. average and you know um uh you know, average in fantasy, like it's not hurting you as much and like the runs. You know, he has a career of 311 runs and 326 bat- RBI. So where there's all these guys that give you, like, l- very few runs and a lot of RBI in, at first base, like, he provides you with both. So I absolutely agree with your choice. Sweet. Who's your next guy? Uh, Next guy, um, I do, I, I didn't take him on first
1: pers- purpose. This, I, knew I cheated.
2: I cheated. He's not in the top 20. He's not 11 to 20, but I don't I – don't,
1: it's your guy. I don't know if I'm I don't, know if I'm, allowed, I don't know
2: if I'm allowed to say this. I don't give a shit. Yeah, go for it. Uh, Yuli Gurriel is my guy. I mean, what does Yuli have to do to get a little bit of um a little bit of respect? Love, respect? Every single season the guy just contributes and every single season he keeps on falling further and further behind in drafts. I mean, what is happening here? Um his like the dude's going to hit 290 plus you know he's going to hit you 15 to 20 home runs he's going to get you 80 you know runs he's going to get you 80 RBI he might steal a bag or two like that batting average late at the first base position it, or at corner infield is just so golden and he's going to play every day he's going to hit in the middle of that lineup like he's just so underrated Um, from my perspective and I love him and I continue to just have him a lot of different places Um, and I'll continue to do that.
1: Yeah. I don't blame you. Like uh, I've slowly become a a later round Gurriel fan, especially in these DCs as like my second, first baseman. There's a lot of, a lot of stability there, put him there, corner infield at times, just plug him in. Like you've sold me on him in the past. He's going to play pretty much every day, quality at bats. He's, there's really nothing he's going to hurt your team with. Like you, you know, you're not going to get 30 home runs anymore, but everything else he does is just consistently good. And they haven't projected him in the middle of that order again, so it's uh, yeah. There's not a whole lot to complain about uh, Guriel. He's just getting older, and like the, the power is like slowly going away, but everything else is still pretty darn good. So Z- zero complaints with you on that one. My guy, Joseph Votto. Um, was absolutely amazing last year, as most know. Just a power machine, 36 home runs in 129 games. It's been well documented that he was selling out uh, plate discipline, being more aggressive, one would say, for the batting average. Cause yeah, he hit 266, but you know, 261 back in 2019. And that's when the drop started 284 in 2018, started slowly dropping. But he still walked 14.4% of the time. He still had a 375 bad, or OBP last year which is absolutely insane for a guy that hit 266 with an OBP at 375. So the plate discipline to me still looked pretty darn good. He's just more aggressive, I guess, with this swing approach in the zone is what it really came down to because the ISO was through the roof at 297. Um, He he was just a monster and I don't see it changing anytime soon, especially playing in great American small park where he's going to get so many cheapies in that ballpark. And not many of us were cheapies to begin with, but when you go from a 9% barrel rate in 2020 to 6.4% in 2019 to 17.2 last year with a 53% hard hit rate when you've lived in the 30s your entire career, even if some regression shows up and he's now like a 12% barrel guy and a 45% hard hit guy, he's still hitting you 25 to 30 home runs. Like he's still going to absolutely destroy baseballs. And you know, like I, like I said, he's getting more aggressive. He's selling out for power, but the plate discipline sells so, so good that he's not going to crush you in what you're doing. So he's quality there. He's going to have Jonathan India hit in front of him. He's going to have like Stevenson there. He's going to have other aspects in that Reds lineup, whatever they mix and match and get guys in there. He's still going to be very, very productive. You're paying more than last year, of course. Like I picked him up on the waiver wire. Other guys did last year, but I think he's a beast. I think he's in that fun realm here with the bells and the belts and all these guys that we talk about. So I'm a huge Votto fan. I've grabbed him in a few leagues as my corner infielder. Like, I'm willing to play him at first base if I need to. Like, if I if I just totally miss on the position, I think he's still going to be that good. And when this DH comes into play, he's one of those guys that's going to give him, like, four or five more years on his career probably because the hit tool is – I don't think it's going to leave with Votto anytime soon. So I'm a big fan. He's like the – we could say he's the National League version of um, Jose Abreu. Let's go with that. I think there's a lot to be said about Joseph Votto. And if he does it again this year, he's going to be getting drafted – next to Jose Abreu next year. So enjoy the value while you still can. Is the way I look at it with Joseph Bottle. So big fan. Love it. All right. 21 and later ADP, guys. Who's your one target?
2: I kind of cheated because he's not that far back. But um, I did want to talk about Bobby Dahlbeck. Um, I think he's really good. Um, I think he's going to force his way into that lineup. The dude just absolutely crushes. He hit 25 home runs last year and 453 plate appearances. He had 53 barrels last year for 20.2% barrels per plate for batted ball event. He had almost as many bar- barrels as Joey Votto had um, last year, which is just nuts. And I think what's most impressive about Dahlbeck, and again, like he's got to make it and, and play on a regular basis. But um, what's most impressive with him is if you look at his rolling average graphs, just some of the improvements that he made you know, over the course of the year in a variety of different categories. And I think it was kind of talked about how Kyle Schwarber had a, had a really positive impact on him, you know, um, in kind of teaching him like how to hit the ball and where to hit the ball. But you saw like surging contact rates, you know, um, especially overall contact rates toward the end of last year, still low at 67.7%, but much higher than about the 62%, 63% that he was averaging throughout his career before then. The hard hit rate surged as well, 44%. Ground ball rate fell to 29%, so he's hitting the ball in the air a ton. The O-swing you know, improved as well, you know, 32%. So he's really improving across the board in every single area that you really want to see those improvements happening. The batted ball quality is just filthy. I think it's just a matter of him getting into that lineup, and I think he will get there um, because I think the bat just plays too well you know, for him not to, Um, it's just, you know, it just absolutely crushes. So uh, is Schwarber's a free agent? Is that right? Yes. Yes, he is. He is. So Dahlbeck's penciled him for first base right now, you know, whether or not he ends up being there, like uh, he's, the dude's just good. I mean, he just, he mashes and the batting average isn't going to be fantastic, but if he can get that, that just slightly under 30%, you know, for that, for that, for that K rate, um, you know, he's got 35 home run plus power. And, um, and he'll be in a really nice lineup and uh, it'll be really fantastic. It'll be beautiful.
1: Yeah. Dollback's a fun one. Dollback's definitely one. I'm with you on that. It's like, there's definitely risk, very clear risk, but man, you want to talk risk reward later in the draft? Like, he could put up some just some astronomical numbers, like you mentioned. The What he did in the second half, the developments he made, if, I didn't know the Kyle Schwarber stuff that you mentioned, but just looking at it, because we, we even joked about it last year, like, he's going to hit everything hard, but he's going to swing and miss at, like, 70% of it, it feels like. So, but he made some great adjustments, and it it definitely showed as he got better and better, and he's young. We've got to remember that. These kids are making adjustments as they, they learn in the big league level, and a lot to be said about that, and he showed some big, big improvements. So, I, I, I'm with you on that. He's a fun one, like, I have, I think I have one share. I have one share so far. I like him a lot. I paired him with, I think, Josh Bell and um, Brandon Belt. I, I took like three guys in this range because I didn't have any first baseman yet. So like I paired them all. It's like, we're going to roll the dice and see what happens in, in the DC format. So very, very intriguing option for sure. Uh, there's a lot of interesting ones. If you need like 20 home run guys in this range, there's, there's, there's a, some good later options, just not as many. Like you're going to get like two to three categories maybe as you get deeper in here. But one guy, it's kind of a personal thing because I've always wanted him to be awesome. And he's got a chance to get regular playing time now. And that's Rowdy, Rowdy Telez. I am a huge Rowdy Teles fan. Projected to hit like fifth or sixth in the Brewers lineup. Roster Resource has him platooning with Mike Brosu. I, I'm sorry. Like maybe, I guess. Like we know Brosu can hit lefties well, but Rowdy's that good. And for the DH, it's going to be hard to keep that battle out of the lineups. He even hit lefties okay last year. It's like he's not like he's a complete suck against lefties. And that power is pretty darn good. We saw him hit um, 11 home runs in 106 games last year, hit 242. But, man, even even the, the projections, he's only playing like 113 games. I got him for 20 homers. I think we could legit see like a 130 to 140-game season from Rowdy if he's a starting first baseman slash DH for the Brewers. So we're getting closer to that 25-30 range potentially, which he's got the power to do that. We've seen his hard hit skills through the roof. His eleven point six percent barrel rate last year, forty eight percent hard hit rate. Our hit rate was the best of his career. Um, I know, like people hate x stats. i I've, I've started to learn that more and more, but there's still a fun reference when the gap is as big as it is with his x stats. They kind of stood out in a big way for me. So he, um, they might say, got unlucky um, at times, but he's a he's a he's a decent sized ground ball guy compared to fly ball, but a ton of line drives. And that's one of those things that you can get that little switch. Because last year, he only had a 12.4% home run to fly ball, and in years past, it was 21% or better. That's quite a drop-off. So literally, it could make a slight little tweak, and now he's you know in Miller Park to go big, big ways for him. And he's going to pick 310. He's a 32nd first baseman off the board. So it's one of those things I like to talk about. You're going to get a starting first baseman after pick 300 that if he plays like 130 games could be a phenomenal asset to your fantasy team. So, in, in a regular redraft, you probably won't even draft him. So, he's a fab acquisition. But people drafting right now are doing draft champions, in NFC 50s, 12-teamers. Um, he's a phenomenal later pick to me, if, if you kind of get a couple first baseman early. So, I love Rowdy Tellez. I think he's one of those guys that this time next year, we could be talking about, like, in our doll back range maybe, or even – that next range up potentially if he gets the 130 to 140 games so the hit tool's always been there it's just been consistent playing time which he finally looks to be getting in milwaukee which I'm, I'm very much looking forward to all right let's do a couple player debates here before we get to some listener questions but uh first base C.J. crone pick 131 josh bell pick 134 who do you got
2: oh man it's a tough one i mean crone's really good I'm going to go with um, Bell here. Um, and the reason I'm going to go with Bell is I think like Crone, he just doesn't play that much, you know, like Even if 547, 500. I know, but like injury wise, like he, oh, he gotcha, doesn't gotcha. like 547 played appearances, 40, 499, 560, 373, 445, you know, like, He's never really played that full season. I think they're remarkably similar. You do a really good job of picking these ones where, you know, they're both have, should have good batting average for like the first baseman that go in this area, you know, Crone maybe like slightly more power, but on a per plate appearance basis, but I I wouldn't put it past bell to get higher there. I think bell has a slightly better context, just even though Crone is in cores, like, that lineup just is going to be, bad. it's going to be, yeah, it's not, it's not good. Um, and nationals ballpark plays really well for, for lefties. And he's also a switch hitter. So he's going to play every day. So, you know, I think he'll get more plate appearances or at least more opportunity for it. Um, and so I would lean bell in this particular instance. He's also going a little bit later um, than Crone is to, I don't even think it's not even around. Right. But just three, three picks. 131 and
1: 134 they're right next to each other
2: yeah so um i'll lean bell here slightly but i also maybe have a little bit of a bias against cj chrome for some reason because i never really consider picking him there so that's probably also on me they're fine they're fine picks both of them
1: yeah it's a fun one because most people will see chrome coors field and it's easy but it's not that easy. That's why it's a fun conversation, because you highlighted Josh Bell earlier. We've talked about him on the review show of how he kind of snuck into the Rasball Player Raider. That would have surprised people. He's really, really good, and playing with Juan Soto is going to be huge. Um, Cronin Coors, there's no doubt in it. It's going to help his batting average a ton, like we saw last year, best of his career, but it also took some of his power away, because that—that—that's some people don't pay attention to that with Coors Field from time to time. I lean C.J. Cronin still, but I'm fine with Josh Bell. Like Josh Bell, I think I think you're right. Where Josh Bell could have that next step, that could be tremendous. Where CJ Crone, I think we've kind of seen what he is, and that's why I like he's a kind of almost going to be reliable at times as long as he plays enough, and that's kind of nice to have. But uh, Josh Bell might be the the right option. I'm gonna take Crone though, but uh, it's very very close. I'd if you just want to wait and take Josh Bell, I have zero problem with that at all. Next up, Frank Schwindel, a pick two twenty eight. Nathaniel Lowe, a pick two twenty nine.
2: Oof, this one's pretty tough. Um, I'm I'm actually leaning Schwindel here. Um, I think Schwindel is actually like pretty good. I mean, across the board, like there's nothing, no skill that's that's particularly overwhelming. But he seems to have the first base job locked up. Um, You know, he makes a lot of contact. Seventy-eight percent overall contact. Very high end zone contact rate. He chases a little bit, but you're not as concerned when you see contact rates like that. You know, strikeout rate at 15.8%. You know, power like the batting average. Yeah, he's probably not gonna have a 348 Babbitt, you know, that's for sure. So he's not gonna hit 326. But I think with the low K rate, you know, he should have a decent batting average. The batted ball quality is also, you know, decent enough, like 16 barrels, 8% barrel rate. Um, uh, you know, so I kind of lean him um, a little bit. Um, in this in this particular one, you know low is like he's good but I just I don't know I like haven't really seen that like power that I that I that I want to see you know um although he does have a higher barrel rate so maybe maybe I would it's go a lot of ground low. balls his thing. It's a lot of ground balls mm-hmm. but maybe low I- could be the next Josh Bell. Make an adjustment. I know, but it's tough. Why they to go next to each other? It is. It is tough. It is tough. I'm going to go with Schwindel for right now, just because I said him first. But it's pretty close. Um, it's pretty close. Yeah, it, it's
1: it's neck and neck. I have shares of both of these guys. Like really, it goes back to my saying when like one guy goes, you can kind of watch the domino effect and jump in, and it's kind of like whoever's left at that point. I take one of these two. It feels like more often than not. But I think the deciding factor for me, and it's maybe just kind of cherry picking here, because I love Frank Schwedell. I think the batting average is actually, he's not going to hit three twenty six, but projections like the bad X has him at two forty eight. I think he's much more like a two eighty ish. I like he's a legit good hitter, is what, I, what I'm trying to say. With some pop, he's going to hit towards the top of that order, score some runs. Doesn't steal though. Nate, Nate Low will steal you some bags, which mm. is kind of interesting. So again, cherry picking here, just kind of like trying to, to decipher between the two. And I'm still a believer in Lowe's power. Like, I'm with you. We haven't seen it yet, but it's there. Like, we saw in the minors. We saw glimpses of it at times. But, you know, 18 homers isn't horrible. And he, he played 157 games, 642 at-bats. He could still get you 15 to 20 home runs again, um, steal some bags. And I think the biggest thing that I like about Nate Lowe is you know they've picked up Simeon and Seager, which could be humongous benefactors for him in, in front of him to drive in runs. It could be more runs to drive in, potentially, as long as they don't drive them all in, of course. But it could lead to him, or maybe he hits, they, he hits between them, or hits in front of them, or there's a lot of ways that that could change things up. So I'm going to go low. I'm going to go Nathaniel low. But it's uh, it's very interesting. And, and the other thing is, is Shwindel could get traded for know. and that makes it tough. Obviously, you're not drafting with that in mind, but the Cubs are doing... Goofy things, and he's older, so they could they could make some moves if they have to. All right, last one I got here for you, a later – or no, I got two more, sorry. Brandon Belt at 240 versus your boy Bobby Dahlback at 242. So do you want all of the home runs, or do you want a guy that almost broke out big time last year?
2: Oh, man, Bubba, you got to stop with these. These are too <laughs> difficult. Um, I can't handle them uh, at all. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go. <laughs> the and I'm gonna power? power. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with Dahlbeck. I'm gonna yeah, go with Dahlbeck fair. here.
1: Yeah, I'm going. I'm going belt. I like the batting average. I think like the power is legit. It's just been a health thing, and you know the health the last few years is just getting hit by pitches. So it's not like it's the crazy injuries. So I'm gonna take my chances with Brandon Belt again. But again, nothing wrong with Dahlbeck. We talked about
2: him earlier. Nothing wrong at all. Like here's a question on Belt. Not not a criticism because we all love Brandon Belt, but like. What's the most RBI he's had in a single season?
1: Yeah, I'm I got his page up right now. It's not a lot. Uh, 82, 82, right? Yeah.
2: What's the most runs he's had in a single season? 77. 77, right? What's the most home runs he's had in a season? 29. 29, right? So let's assume he hits career highs in home runs, 29, runs, 77, RBI, 82. Um, just doesn't do it for me. You know what I'm saying. That's you know fair. what I'm saying. And not He's a criticism boring. of you choosing him, but just like no, I get it. Yeah. I could see Dahlbeck just. Monster, things.
1: monster. No, I, I, dollback Literally, he could be your next Big Meat Pete type guy. Like, I, I totally get it. Like, he could be. So you're gonna get Big, big Meat hey, Pete Junior.
2: Don't undersell Pete, Big Meat Pete like
1: that. <laughs> right. But this, he's got that power potential for you. Where Belt is good, it's just stay on the field. If he can play 130 plus games, I'm a big fan of what we got there. But it's a big if at time. But I, I just like the. I don't know. I think it's a safer floor where dahlbeck has got that ceiling. So kind of pick your poison in that regard. The last one I have, it's a fun one. First base outfield eligible. Both these guys. You got Lamont Wade Jr. sticking with the Bay Area boys at 309.
2: Yoshi Satsugo at 312. Oh, dude, Yoshi all day. Yoshi all day. There. I mean, I think that the the problem is that Lamont Wade is gonna is gonna um, he's gonna platoon. There's no way he gets out of that platoon there. Well, and injuries got
1: him a lot of playing time because he played first base and outfield, but you—it's tough.
2: Yeah, and I think Yoshi, you know, I think Yoshi is going to play pretty much every day there for the Pirates in that lineup. You know, he improved dramatically. I think it was Jeff Zimmerman that had his kind of rolling average graph up. You know, um, and he just really started, really seemed to thrive when he got to Pittsburgh. And he was playing every day, and he was having that opportunity. So I think the plate appearances in the middle of that lineup, playing every single day, you know, I think I'll, um, I think I will, I will go in that direction. Um, I think because um, I like Yoshi Tsutsugo.
1: Yeah, I like I like Yoshi as well because I think he's gonna have regular playing time. Like you said, that's a big difference. Like if we knew Wade was gonna be locked into playing time, I like that profile a ton. But Yoshi should be the dude in Pittsburgh, so kind of makes it a a little easier in that regard, but a, a fun one nonetheless. All right, listener questions. We had a lot of them from We Ugas. got a lot
2: of them, Bubba. We're an hour and thirty-five minutes in, ladies and gentlemen. So this
1: is a test to Toby here. This oh, is a test God. to Toby. Um we're gonna skip Rob Silver because he's being funny, but I'm gonna give him respect. He has to like which player projected for two fifty and twenty-five and zero, failed to hit twenty-five, you know, the whole thing. It was funny. He's it was a it was joke funny. to the to the tweet. Um But JB at beat Rick and Frank asks, do you, do we like Hunter Dozier for a comeback player?
2: Yeah. You know, I don't mind Hunter Dozier at all. I mean, he's going really late, you know, he's going in the early, early to mid three hundreds. Um, I like, you know, he doesn't have first base eligibility. Oh man. He came one game short, um, in the NFBC. So I haven't really been thinking about him from a first base perspective, but I've always liked Dozier a lot. Um, I think he struggled very clearly through injury all of last year with the thumb that really hurt his batting, but he started to put it together to put it together um, towards the end of the season. And I think he's the type of guy where again, health is a major issue. He's only had 500 plate appearances. Well, he's had it twice, you know, in two of the last three, three, well, I guess in the last two full seasons, but he's a guy who can put it all together in stretches, you know, that are very, very impressive. I mean, where he's got elite plate discipline, elite contact, elite ground ball in terms of low ground ball rate. And then he's just absolutely like hitting the ball, um, hitting the ball hard. And so I think he struggled a lot with the thumb last year. Um, I think he's going to play every day. He's going to steal you a handful of bases. He's going to hit, you know, 15 to 20 home runs. Um, You know, the batting average is a little bit of a sore spot, but, I do think that he's capable of hitting um, above that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I could see him like, you know, hitting 250 with 20 home runs, five stolen bases and 70-70 or, you know, something like that. Like similar to that, that 2019 season was kind of his pinnacle. But I think that's an example of, you know, what you could see again. He's still, he's 30, so he's not super old yet.
1: Yeah, I I I like Hunter Dozier. I got kind of uh, told that's foolish by a couple of very smart people the other day on Twitter, one being Vlad Sedler, Anthony Gialdi, and Vin um Vin Armbarn. So Ryan Venancio. So I, I was told I was being, you know, foolish for for hoping good things about him, but I agree with everything you said. I've dug in on Ra- Ryan Dozier many years, and I love what I see from him. I keep buying back in because his price gets cheaper and cheaper. It's like I think they're two of them are Royals fans. So they're kind of jaded in that situation. But, um, you know, if you, where he's going in a draft, if you can get me close to 15 to 20 homers with, you know, like you said, five to 10 steals and be productive, I guess pretty outstanding. Uh, they're worried about consistent playing time. I'm like, I think I don't see where he wouldn't play regularly, but, uh, Somewhere between the outfield and third base right now looks good unless they just really want to put out but they want to put Montesy at DH. So like it makes perfect sense to play Dozier. So until I hear otherwise, I like Dozier quite a bit. They were more concerned about his swing and miss and his batting average woes, but uh, I'm not quite there. Mm-hmm. All right. Big John Stud, MLB moving average, Johnny L. Better chance of maintaining huge disciplinary gains from 2021. Big meat Pete the polar bear or Matt Olson. I already know big, your answer.
2: Big meat Pete. Yeah,
1: yeah it's big meat Pete. We, we talked about it quite a bit earlier. So, yeah, it's a, it's big meat Pete. We're, we're both on board on that one. All right. Ben Tid at Brinking Ben underscore T asks, what are your guys' thoughts on the takes that say don't draft the guys going in the 50 to 90 range and instead take those in the Vado range early to mid 100s? Are the ones that say skip the Votto range and draft guys in the two hundreds like Belt instead? So, do you want to skip the early guys and get the Votto range, or just go or, or for your sake the Bell range, or do you want to go another like hundred picks and get a guy there? Where do you prefer to get your? Uh,
2: I, I I like the middle. I like that middle middle ground. I like the Bell Hoskins. I haven't pulled. I haven't gotten Votto yet, but I can see myself doing that now. I feel a little bit more comfortable going there. So I'd much rather be in that range. The one kind of exception to that is, is Yuli, is a guy that I'm, that I, if I wait, I'm probably targeting him, um, you know, or maybe Dahlbeck if I want to, if I want to get aggressive
1: there you go yeah no i kind of want one of those mid guys too in there and then i have no problem backing it up with the next guy i got a corner infield spot because at that point in the draft third base kind of sucks so um yeah i have no problem getting a second guy for sure uh liam at freed minds asks if you double tap starting pitchers in the first and second rounds what type of players are you targeting in the third and fourth round if i double
2: tap Starting Pictures. pitchers
1: in the first two rounds. What type of players are you looking for at
2: your third and fourth pick? Um, I'm generally looking for a balanced approach, a balanced player. So let me just look at the ADP here. Let me see what we're what we're working with. Um. So, uh, yeah. So if I ta- if I double tap pitchers. You know, I'm looking at like um, a Teoscar Hernandez or a Tim Anderson or a Trevor Story or a Sal Perez just because I think he's that much better, you know, than a lot of the guys going here. Um, even a Xander Bogarts, just because the consistency is is key. He was injured last year. The stolen bases are a little light, but I think he contributes everything. You know, Tyler O'Neal, uh JTR, you know, for sure. I mean, maybe Goldie, I don't know. Um, so those are kind of the guys that I'm, I'm more interested in, in in kind of looking at the third round and the fourth round. I've also been going in my DCs. I've also been getting a closer oftentimes I'm in there as well. So it's not necessarily two hitters going right there. I mean, I could just tell you like, let's see. Um, I started off in one draft Scherzer, Louis, uh, Luis uh, Robert Emmanuel Classé Salvador Perez in another one. It was Harper Wheeler Iglesias O'Neill in another one. It was Scherzer Wheeler Diaz Perez. That's my Mondesi one. So it really depends. And you got to think out. I think a really good thing is to think about the back end of the draft first and who you think you're going to be able to get in those spots and then work your way forward from yep. there. So if you feel confident in being able to get those, some of those like 10 to 15 stolen base guys later then do it.
1: Yeah, no, that's kind of, I didn't take two pictures really, but taking Vlad early feels like I still need to find those 10 to 15 stolen base guys. So it's kind of a, that's I, I, a strategy I get, but I, like you said, maybe a, pitcher, maybe a closer as one of your two picks more often than not. I've been a big T Oscar guy in round threes. If I can get them, I love T Oscar, so I like that call quite a bit. Uh, Tyler O'Neill, like you said, like those would be the kind of guys I'd be looking to get. Those, the last of the kind of five category dudes, I'd be trying to get one of those for sure. Uh, Ryan Roof asks our buddy from RotoWire, Paul Goldschmidt, where does he rank on Toby's sheet? He ranked favorably in mine and took him at pick fifty-five, but doesn't feel sexy.
2: Hmm. Recalculating my sheet. Uh, Ryan, unfortunately it looks like he's last. He's last on my list, Ryan. (laughs) I'm sorry. You really messed up our draft that we're in together. Um, it's really too bad. Uh, you had a shot and then you drafted Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, no, I, we, we talked about him extensively. I think he's, he's very solid where he's going right now. You know, the little bit of the plus on the stolen bases. And I think you feel pretty solid about the other four category production wise. So I'm not generally going after first baseman in this area because I think you can kind of make up ground elsewhere. But um, if you're going to take a first baseman in this area, I think Goldie is a good way, good way to go. Yeah,
1: 100% agree. Like we said, he's, he'd be, if I'm going to take a guy early, he's pretty much the one. Otherwise, we sit back and we wait and enjoy the ride. Uh, Joe McHugh asks, in all seriousness, given positional flexibility, how comfortable are you using first base as a streaming mix a streaming kind of mixed thing, and or a streaming mix and match position in a fifteen-team Fab League.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I might, I might feel okay, but I mean, if you think about it, like, right, you're talking about the top four hundred and fifty players, yeah. right? It's so, like, let's see who are the first baseman going after pick four hundred and fifty.
1: Yeah, it's not great.
2: It's like Miggy, Prado, Profar casas edwin rios jace peterson lewin diaz so there's like some guys who could be interesting for sure and cobble it together but i'm not seeing any like outside of maybe miggy like guys who are going to start and play every single
1: and they're going to really drain your average or something like they're going to drain categories for you
2: yeah so i mean maybe corner infield because then you're looking at first base and third base combined you know and obviously some guys are going to get injured so those guys are going to move up so it's all dependent, but like looking right now, first face is pretty dead after pick 450. There's not a ton of guys that I'm interested in there,
1: but certainly it, it's possible. Yep, it's possible. So you can do it. I prefer not to. Let's put it that way. Uh Eric Somolski asks, Is the uh, if the new stadium causes Mount Castle to become a 25 to 27 home run bat, poor exit velocity and balls in the air with a more cavernous park? how far are you dropping him from current ADP seems to fall closer to the next tier down at first baseman. Like I said, I haven't ranked uh, even before the the defense changed. I hadn't ranked kind of after that Hoskins, Bell, Votto, all that group already. So I don't think he drops that far. That's how far I would drop him though.
2: Yeah. I mean like straight up now tell me I'd go Reese Hoskins over Brian Mountcastle probably. I mean, if we're just being honest, like right now, straight up, I do Josh Bell over him. So I absolutely think he's in that in that other in, in that other category, probably for me. I do probably. CJ Crone over him. Yep. Yeah, I, I wouldn't do Votto. Jared Walsh. I don't Joey think, Votto. but like, I do Vado over him. Probably. There's yeah. a good chunk of them. Yeah. So,
1: there you go, Eric. There's a, there's a grouping you can kind of pass on if you would prefer. Uh, Dave Swan at the Vithius says, Jared Walsh had a hot first half while Josh Bell was great in the second half, yet both were bad for half of a season. Of these two, who is more likely to put it
2: all together for one very big season? Pretty sure you're a Josh Bell guy. Oh, Josh Bell, for sure. I mean, you guys can tell I'm, like, biased towards Josh Bell, right? I'm only seeing the good. I'm only seeing the good people. I mean, Jared Walsh is fine. You know, he's no Josh Bell. But um, no, I mean, he's going to be like with Mike Trout and he's going to be with Shohei and they're going to be a really good, they're going to be a really good offense, you know, that top of the lineup. I think they could both do really well. I think um, I believe more in Bell and I may also be jaded slightly by a dynasty league trade where I picked up Jared Walsh at the end of the 2019, no, the 2020 season and then traded him mid last year because I thought he was going to totally collapse, and he didn't. And I traded him for like four scrub closers that half of them didn't work out, so <laughs> whatever. Those are always Just fun. being real with all of you. Those
1: are always fun. Uh, Simon P. has a question. How about a deep dive on Lewin Diaz in Miami? How much does he play if we have a DH, and what can we expect if he gets a full-time job at first base? I'm in two NL-only leagues, but can apply to best ball and draft and holds as well. Thanks, fellas, and good to be back. I think if he's, they get the DH, it helps him a ton. Uh, I think they want to give him a run because they gave him some run last year. He just really struggled bad average wise, but the power is legit. We've seen it in all the minor league levels. I think he gets a good run this year personally. But um, so in all only, I think he's fine. I just don't like, he's more of a fab acquisition for me in redrafts.
2: Yeah, it's really hard for me to say. I don't know. Have, um, has anybody made the like finding Lewin Diaz joke? Isn't That's there a, a movie called like Finding Lewin? I think Davis. I know what you're talking about. Find... No, Inside Lewin Davis. Yes, Inside Lewin Davis. So we're gonna go with Inside Lewin Diaz. Diaz. Inside Lewin Diaz. I don't know if I'm the first person to make that joke, but if I am, if I am, um, let's it's see. Lewin Diaz. Yeah. Sorry guys, it's late. It's late <laughs> here on the West Coast. Um, Yeah. I mean, I'm just looking generally speaking. So let's just dive in. The batted ball profile looks pretty good. You know, low ground ball rates. Let's see. Is that the case in the minors too? Yeah. Low ground ball rates throughout, which I really like a lot. Um, you know, like maybe, maybe too low if it stays at 31.5%, but he's in like the high thirties, low forties, I think throughout the minors, which is, which is kind of ideal. The fly ball rate's too high. The line drive rate is super low, which gives you like some pause about like what the barrel control looks like and how consistent, you know that that the standard deviation of that launch angle might be. Um, so keeping that bab, that babbitt super low, um, the O swing is awful. You know he's chasing pitches outside the zone in the minors. He didn't really walk. He only had in the very early minors a couple seasons above ten percent, which you know in the minors like isn't isn't that great. The contact is solid though for like a power hitter you know 75%, you know the k rate should be should stick around that 25%, 24-25% if he can hold on to that. You know again assuming that he can hold on to that. Um the statcast data is all right. Like max EV on 116 batted ball events is 108.6, which is pretty mediocre. It's not Cavan Biggio, but it's pretty mediocre. Barrel rates at 10%, you know, in those 116 uh, plate appearances, you know, if you can maintain that, that's obviously good. You know, he's got 12 barrels, eight home runs. So, you know, again, like I think it's always best to, to kind of focus on the projections here. And the, what the projections tell us is, you know, he's going to be a low batting average, good power, no speed guy, which, you know, again, like I think he's a good, you know, um, if you can find if you can find no, if you, if you, I don't know. You can,
1: <laughs> you can find Lou. If Diaz. you
2: can get inside Lou and Diaz at like whatever pick he's at right now, I'm sure he's a good bet um, because I do think he could definitely get some run, and they want to give him a, a look. And he's got kind of a little bit of pedigree. They got him from the Twins, I think. Right, he was in yeah. the Twin system. Pick
1: pick five twenty four.
2: Yeah, I mean that sounds like a great pick, honestly. Um at five twenty four. Of of a lot of those guys I mentioned after pick four fifty, I feel like he's a guy who could get hot at the beginning of the season and be like a guy who hits twenty five thirty home runs with two fifty, two forty batting average, which would be really solid from where you're getting him. And like right
1: now, roster resources doesn't have him starting on the team, which I don't know. I find that hard to believe. I know they made moves. They got Joey Wendell and they got Brian Anderson scheduled to DH on roster resource, which seems odd to me as well. Like I think he'd rather give Lewin Diaz least a platoon shot at DHing or you know, something with Aguilar or, or whatnot. So I think we see him unless he has a horrific spring training. I think he's he's gonna be he should be starting out with the big club. Um the power's legit. You mentioned uh, some of the profile things, even looking at his his swings, his contact rates are good. He just swings so darn much. Like, his overall swing is like 10% above average, uh, let alone his O swing. But his O contact's just below average. His regular o- overall contact's just a little below average. So it's like, if you just hone that in, a little will He's young. So, like, hone it in a little bit and see what you can figure mm. out. Hang out. Hang out in the cage with Jesus Aguilar a while. Let him talk to you for a bit. and Some of these other guys, you, you never know what he could pull out. But I think, especially like a dynasty, NL only, Someone to definitely keep an eye on, if not take a late flyer on, because I think he could be a, a nice late power source for sure. Our book, Mark Carter, is our final question for us. Can Joseph Votto do it again?
2: Yes. Oh, oh hell yeah.
1: Yes. Why, he The question is, he, why not? Can he? He will. It's, it's, yeah. that's, it should be, will he? Yes. Yes, he will. And it might be better. Like I said, the National League, Jose Abreu, come on down it's mm. so wow
2: it. i like that let's comp it. there so actually
1: goes let's go
2: damn that's so, the way to end a podcast right there like that yep. type of a comp yeah we're mean, gonna mic
1: drop it and walk away
2: <laughs> dude, you guys
1: but uh that will wrap up our first based preview of the uh 2022 season final thoughts toby as we wrap it up and get ready for second base next week
2: yeah you know just thinking about it at the beginning of this show we told you guys that this episode was going to be shorter than the catcher preview. But what we didn't consider is the fact that when you tune into this podcast, you tune into this podcast to get hard hitting in depth analysis. And sometimes that takes time. So we will no longer promise you that the podcast that we're doing this week will be shorter than Our our old
1: pre our old previews took like two and a half to three hours. So we're we're, doing good.
2: We're getting better, people. We're getting better. (laughs) But if you're get if you've reached this part of the podcast, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for um you know thank you for listening to us. Yes,
1: it's always fun, and we enjoy doing it. So gets us ready for the season, lets us talk about some fun stuff. Sorry we didn't to make any uh, picks for you. He's, he, he'll, the pick will expire in about 50 minutes right before it freezes, so we'll get to make our picks. Oh, it. I
2: know. It's brutal. Yeah. It's, it's brutal. It's like, Drew, I just, Drew, you're I, literally running out by one minute. Yeah, He's going to run great, out by one minute. Which is
1: great because now we can make our picks and go to bed because Govia oh, will man. not make a pick tonight, oh, so we're good. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's where the cookie crumble, unfortunately, oh, Drew. Sorry, Drew. Always set a curado, Yeah. Yes. Or your cube, Either yeah, one. Both. Both. But yeah. on that note, we will wrap it up. Your first base preview in the books. Make sure you check out Toby on Twitter at Batflip Crazy. I am at Bediantric. We'll catch you guys next week.